1: Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the chicklet that made us who we are. My name is Karen O'Donoghue and I'm an author, a journalist and the ex-mistress of an army general. Today we're going to talk about Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's 2013 book Americana with Queenie author Candice Cardi-Williams. Hi! Hi! How are you doing today?
0: I am. Good, thank you. I've had two photo shoots this morning. And so I have been pulled about in in various ways. Um, So this is actually me regrouping, which is really nice, very soothing in this room.
1: Mm. You're looking incredibly glamorous. and I'm feeling very intimidated just looking at you. (laughs) Thank you. My skin is itching and I would like to take my makeup off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what's interesting about, I think, I imagine a lot of our listeners will be quite curious about um, the choice of this book, because generally the books that we do are like incredibly commercial books that get no critical success. Mm. Whereas this is an incredibly critical, successful book. Like it was huge when it came out. It's still huge now. It won all sorts of prizes. And mm. Jim Amanda is one of the most respected authors around, I would mm. think. Um, but what I think is interesting about this one is that people often miss the commercial elements of this yeah. book. Like to me, it's a, it's a very commercial story.
0: That's how I see it. I see it because like, it's so accessible and it's so about love. And so and obviously, you know, like so much is about love. Everything's about love, books, films, TV. Um, but it's so about that. And like, you know, even though she writes amazingly, the structure of it, as you say, is so commercial. It's just so accessible. And it's just kind of like, these are plot points that you understand. Um, but the way she goes about them is just completely different because she's Chimamanda and goes Adichie.
1: Yeah. And even like, it's 400 pages long. And it goes by like that. Mm. Like I, I, when I rebought I because I bought it on Kindle when it originally came out. And I was just, you know, I was just like skimming past. It. I think I read it in a week on holidays kind of thing. Mm. And then when I bought it again, I was like, whew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. But it just, it goes along. It's such a clip because it's just, it's kind of bouncy and fun and satirical, mm. but also deep and emotional and upsetting and romantic and oh I just love it so much but I'm going to do a quick plot summary and then we can talk about it properly amazing so Ifemelu and Obinze are teenage sweethearts growing up in Lagos who are forced to go their separate ways when Ifemelu emigrates to the US and Obinze goes to the UK the book charts the 15 years they spend apart as Ifemelu prospers as a blogger and an academic and Obinze sort of fails in London and then he builds a property empire in Nigeria Although they both go on to new partners, they're obsessed with what might have been. And eventually they meet again when Ifemelu moves back to Lagos in her 30s. So one of the most interesting things about this book is that the the first kind of third of it is told in a flashback. Mm. And that flashback happens while Ifemelu is getting her hair done. Mm. Like When I picked it up, I fell in love with it because
0: I was like, wow, what is this book? Like, it suggests that this person understands me and like even though I'm not from Nigeria it understands like my culture in a way um you know she's come from Nigeria and she's in America and I was born here but my family from Jamaica and even though it's starkly different there is still that thing of being in the west when your culture is very much not from there um so I picked it up and I kind of had that understanding and then as soon as I started reading it and I got to the hairdresser scene I was like wow I have been this woman you really? know eating
1: your granola and carrots no not that crisps (laughs) but like I've been you know you know you get a hairdresser and
0: someone's like okay hold on sorry yeah you're meant to be here at half past one and yes you're here at half past past one but your hairdresser's not here yet and it's things like that and so I, I understood and all just like the talking around it and also the thing that was amazing for me is that shortly before I started reading it I had grown out my relaxer because I had my hair relaxed for years oh, wow! because my hair my hair's really thick and when I was growing up my nan who has got five daughters all of whom have um, a different texture because my granddad is Indian mm-hmm. and so she had a like she was like a breeze doing their hair and then for me she was like oh fucking like this is insane like <laughs> I'm just like breaking my arm to like get a comb through your hair and so with my hair, my nan took me to get it relaxed when I was 11, didn't ask my mom, just went and was like, I can't deal with this anymore. Like, we're just gonna do this. And I didn't know what was going on. I was just like, okay, fine, my hair is different now. My hair is straight and maybe it's easier to manage for everyone else around me. Um, and so when I got older and I was like, the pain that I'm going through when I have my hair done is horrific. And so, like, when anyone's, because I've got tattoos and people are like, aren't they paying off? I'm like, no, because I had my hair relaxed for years. So your
1: threshold is incredibly high. So my high. threshold is
0: absolutely, yes. Honestly, when I have a baby, I'll just be like, just, <laughs> when I'm ready, just like, let's get it done. Let's get it out. Just um, doing your taxes
1: while in labor. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> just, just like, oh,
0: this is a breeze. Um, and so, yeah, so I find that stuff about hair and natural hair and when she's trying to convince a hairdresser that her natural hair is, like, good. It's amazing, and I was like, my gosh, this book is like even though it's a completely different culture, different place, it's still speaking to me in a way that nothing else has before
1: and and what's so amazing about that scene as well is that um it it's the first scene in the book, and it kind of go it, it keeps going back to it in that first third and when she's thinking about you know her childhood and then she's back in the hairdresser scene, and people are ordering Chinese food mm. and all kind of stuff and um it's that thing of um, I think it's really universal to the immigrant experience where um, she can't relate to the women she's around enough to be Mm. one of them because you can sort of tell by the way they're sort of looking at her and looking at each other like Mm. that. Oh, she's kind of gone completely white now with her granola and her carrots. Mm. But then also when she's in the white world, she is an exotic thing among them as well. And it's that thing. And it's sort of that part of why the love story, that whole thing of like staying in love with your childhood sweetheart your entire life Mm. is a really kind of beautiful romantic concept. But it's like... It's like she could only properly have a neutral state mm. around this person who knows her just as she is, not mm. as like an Americana or the this white this black woman among these white people. You know? Do you know mm. what I mean? And like there's this beautiful bit when she's talking about her relationship with Obinze, and 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 she says, um, I have the quote here. Um, she rested her head against his and felt for the first time what she would often feel with him as self-affection and he made her like herself. Mm. I think it's so beautiful. It's so nice, isn't it? I think the way that
0: that relationship is written because it's not straightforward at all and, you know, like love stories in books never are. That's They wouldn't be very interesting if they were just, you know, A to B. But the texture of that relationship and that the only thing that is straightforward is that they love each other is so beautiful and that I came to it again as like a kind of like cultural touch point and I was like oh something that I can relate to but actually the love story that cut through it I was like oh my god this is like next level I've never you know I don't know love like this I know I haven't I mean I was young when I first read it Mm -hmm. but just knowing love like this and understanding that love can be so unlinear in the way that this is Mm -hmm. but also you can
1: be so connected and so tethered to someone I thought it was really beautiful and just how um the, the kind of very beautiful thing, and I can imagine this scene would mean a lot to so many women of like she's there with her, like her really beautiful, quite glamorous, um quite light-skinned friend Ginica mm. or Ginica, mm. I'm not sure. Um, and, and it's sort of because Obinze is the new guy in school and he's quite sort of glamorous mm. and whatever, um, they're supposed to destined. I think she uh, um, she says sort of the gods, whoever rules teenage <laughs> relationships, wanted <laughs> Obinze and Kina get to be together. But then he just like bypasses her totally. And he goes for a um, family who's like really outspoken and mm. just doesn't really play by the rules everyone else plays by. I can imagine that just meaning so much to so many teenage girls, you know?
0: I think so, because also, like, whoever you are, you have this thing where, you know, you just... I mean, even if you are... Everyone has their insecurities, I guess, right? And even if you are, like, the most popular, most beautiful, most societally determined, good-looking one, you will still have your stuff. But as the person who is not that, like, it's amazing when you have... The attention, but not in, like, a lechy way and not in an mm. inappropriate way, but just in a way that he's just kind of like, you're more my bag, and I'm into that.
1: <laughs> you're my bag! Yeah. <laughs> and, like, what's so... How strange, then it's it's both heartbreaking and very practical. Because generally, when we hear when we read immigration stories, mm-hmm. it's about like um, oh, they had to co- they had to leave because of um, you know, war or uh, um, poverty or whatever. Mm. But they're they're both middle class people yeah. who make the practical decision that mm. she's got to go to America to help her auntie yuju who's had this baby and who's need- needed to flee the country. Which yeah. I really want to talk about that whole thing, mm. that whole mess. Um and then and and he's gonna follow her, and it's but then they fall apart the way that childhood sweethearts fall apart mm. just' because distance and 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 she she reaches this point where she's in America, and it's like not and I really related to this as an immigrant um it's like it's just not working out, and it, that's a shame of it not working out, and eventually she makes the decision to sort of. Engage in some light sex work, mm. in some very light sex work with um, with a, a football coach, mm. um, and it's from that point she does this thing with him, and she realizes that she can never, she can never look at Obinze again mm. as I don't know as as a pure person or something, and then she alienates him, and then they remain alienated for most of their adult yeah. lives, and it's just so,
0: it's a really tragic. sad thing. I think it's just that,
1: you know. The unspoken stuff is so hard
0: and also just, you know, so much of how you feel about yourself that will always be projected onto the relationship that you're going to have and, like, how you're going to feel about someone. And so when you're watching these two people who are, they, they're so linked to each other, but also but also you understand that they probably need to, like, fall apart to be able to understand that they should be together. And I do believe, like, you know, everything happens for a reason and, like, if you love something, set it free. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, like, a prime example of, like, fantastically written um example of needing to just like go off and be your separate people and have these like completely different experiences starkly different experiences but have the love still bond you mm-hmm. just because you know when it's so pure and it has been there and you felt it so strongly like you were still going to be you're still going to be together
1: yeah it's like um what i really admire about both chimamanda idichi's writing and actually yours is, is that um We are not on the same level, but thank you. (laughs) Well, I mean, Queenie has been, you know, compared to this a lot and very favorably. So, I mean, well done you. Thank you. Um, Is that I think, especially when you're a new, I mean, she was a new author when she wrote this. You're a new author now. I think it takes a lot of courage to write from a place of specificity. Mm. Um, And like we, some of this book is um, set in Nigeria and especially in the early chapters, which is, you know, the make or break period for any reader of like whether or not they're going to continue with this book. She um, talks a lot about like how it was growing up in Nigeria in the 80s and 90s and, like, all these different military coups. But mm-hmm. she doesn't feel the need to explain herself or go, like, well, in 1970, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. It's just, like, she just wants you to take for granted that, like, look, they live in this this climate that is always mm-hmm. politically changing and I'm not going to explain it to you because they wouldn't be explaining it to each other. I'm not going to do Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Yeah. And, like, do you feel like there's, like, this pressure if you're writing from a group that is less represented, that you have to explain yourself all the time or something. Yeah, I think just... I mean,
0: I think you have to explain your existence for a start. So I think, like, when you're in a room, you have to explain why you're there. Mm-hmm. Or you have to justify a lot of yourself, and you almost have to give, like, a CV of how you got to where you are because people will be confused as to why you're there. Um, and so, yeah, I think writing is is such an extension of that, and it's, um, it's, it's writers being like, okay, so just so you... Understand. I'm going to hold your hand through this exact thing because it might not be your specific story. But I think that Tramanda's just kind of like, well, I'm going to write what I'm good at, and I—I mean, she she could write anything, but I think that's such a strength to be like, keep up with what's going on. If yeah. you don't know about it, go and read, go and research yeah, it, go yeah. and look it up, because like that's what I've had to do for uh-huh. context that I don't understand. You know, like I don't. Loads of there's loads of contextual stuff. Um, like British stuff that I mean I mean obviously we're taught so much of it in school and not anything else um, but there's so much that I've had to learn around other cultures and that's fine because it's not my culture and so mm-hmm. great to do that extra work where, you know the author shouldn't have to do that. And did you feel that way when you were writing Queenie? There was some bit so when like Darcy for example is asking about what certain words mean like and and um Cheska is telling her like and eventually it's like go on urban dictionary and just look up what's <laughs> yeah, going yeah. on here. Um I just I thought that just made me laugh that the, the idea that someone was just kind of like, and what does that mean? What does that mean without just like going looking up themselves? Um so there was that. But otherwise I was kind of just like, People will just get to it. And the same with like writing Pato, I was like, Well, I have to hear it and you can probably make sense of it. And if you, yeah. you know, like you can, you can, you can get, you can get what it means. I, you know, it's just, like I'm, I just didn't feel like I should have had to do loads of extra work to explain something that was just kind of like part of my life. Cause it's kind of like you're reading it. You understand this is through my lens. So like, you know, yeah. buckle up.
1: Um, I love that. Cause I wish I had had the courage to do the same thing. Cause I, I'm, I'm, I am i my 1st book last year and, um, I was, you know, I'm proud of how it's come out and everything mm. for the various reasons. But, um, lots of people just asked me, it's like, why did you make the heroine English? Mm. And and it was because I felt that, like, I had been away from my home country for so long that yeah. I wasn't, I didn't trust myself to write the Irish experience without, like, getting it wrong. Mm. And um, I think what it was, I, I didn't want to, I don't know, it was kind of a fear of vulnerability or something. Um, for sure. I mean, this has been, I don't feel very vulnerable having written this, but people...
0: In their droves have been like, so your Queenie writes autobiographical. And it's like, well, no. Yeah, like, wow. I think it's so weird to just be like, you can only write your life. So it's just like, do you not think that I have imagination to like create something or someone? Like, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's, 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 it's such an odd thing that I'm asked. But I think that's the risk that you take when you write from like what is technically your lens. People are just like, so it's you then, um, yeah. which is really odd. But it's also just how you feel comfortable, right? And like, would you have felt comfortable? doing that if you were always second-guessing, like, if you were getting things right or if, like, yeah. your people would be like, oh, she's got that wrong, like,
1: she's gone over there and she's
0: like... And Irish people love know? doing
1: that as well. They love, like... like I feel like all my friends just love watching Dairy Girls to, like, oh, say how things are wrong. I, love, I <laughs> like, really like it. I love it too. But I don't know the context, so I can like it. I can just yeah. be like, yes, okay, I'm sure that's
0: right. Um <laughs> But, yeah, no, no, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? I think, like, also, but you know, as we know, there are different ways of being a type of person, there are different types of blackness, there are different types of being Irish, there are different mm-hmm. ways and like multitudes within that. And so, you know, not everyone's experience is going to be universal. Yeah. Um. And I think that's really important to remember when you're reading something of another culture as well.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned that people think that your book is autobiographical. Can you give us a brief little overview of what Queenie is?
0: Uh, So Queenie is about a young woman who is living in South London and she, you kind of realise early on that she's not the most together of people, Um, so she works at a a newspaper um, and she's the only black person in her office um, and I've been in that position many times, so I guess it's autobiographical in that specific sense, Um, uh, but but I think it gives you an an understanding of, it gave gave me an understanding of, of what that's like and how... Environments can quite hostile. Um, but she has kind of this long-term partner with whom she lives, and she's like, ah, you know, this is uh, this isn't great, and you know, like, but you know, I've got my stuff, but it's gonna be fine because we might just have like a little break and then like I can sort my head out. Um but in the time that she meant to sort her head out, she just like does very bad and reckless things um because you know all this stuff about her value and who she's as a person and how like I guess growing up in these environments of like white middle class people has molded her and how men treat her um, and her family stuff and there's a lot about her past that's also like kind of pushing itself to the surface um, and stuff with her family and stuff with her mom and basically she kind of descends into this like this wreck of a person who needs a lot of help to kind of, like, pull herself back out of where she's got to. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that it's it's kind of, it's kind of not a coming of age, it's kind of, like, an awakening, yeah. I guess, of a story. It's someone who's kind of, like, has to understand, learn to understand her value and her place in the world. Someone who has had to struggle two cultures and that is contributing to, you know, her sense of, well, I guess all sort of the lack of sense of who she is.
1: And so, I mean, there's a lot of parallels there with, with Americana. Like, did you have Americana front of mind as you were sitting, sitting down to write it? Or did you feel like the burden of this huge successful book that like deals with similar themes? Mm-hmm.
0: I remember, I mean, I've always been very aware of it. And that was, this is, This was my entry to Shirmanda mm-hmm. Americana. And I think I was more just grateful that she'd been able to talk about things in that way. So hair, sex with white men, Having this partner who you're with but you're unfulfilled by for reasons that you can't really vocalise, but you just feel it within you. Um, Queenie has no childhood sweetheart, neither do I. Um, And so (laughs) I does. I (laughs) I know it's true. Um, But like, so I was. I guess you know, I'm aware that existed, and I think like knowing that that's on that was on the shelves gave me the confidence to be like, okay, maybe I have a story that I can tell as well.
1: Definitely. Um, I'm really intrigued by uh, DK in the book. Mm. Um, so DK is the son of Auntie Uju Mm -hmm. Um, he's sort of the 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 bastard child of an army general who is then the army general is suddenly killed and then Auntie Uju is forced to flee to America and uh, then we see Uju go from being this incredibly glamorous sort of trophy girlfriend Mm -hmm. in, in Lagos to being this she goes through like actually the most severe transformation of anyone in the book. And mm. she goes from uh, being so glamorous to being someone who's just working really, really hard to break into the American system. Mm. But is like, because she's slightly older than Ephemilu, she can't seamlessly move between things. She can't be as agile. Yeah. And um, actually, before we get on to DK, I kind of just want to just talk about Uju. Mm. Um, it's that thing of Auntie Uju is fighting to... Break into the system, and a is fighting to change it. Mm. And neither of them will get any not, not they'll both have various levels of success, but the, it won't fulfill them. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: it's an interesting, thing isn't it? I think also it's really smart because it's um, Auntie Ujiba is her cousin, and so it's just like, but this you know, oh, yeah, just yeah. like that small um, generational shift, just like a few years, and also it's just like it's a respect thing, but also so it's interesting to see just like with not much time between them, how different two women can be and their strands of experience can be so starkly different. And obviously they are on different tracks and Auntie Uju is like, yeah, you know, like it was all glamour all the time and, you know, like got into this like bad boy stuff for this general and obviously like wonderful DK is born. And if Emily was just kind of like, well, I am completely just like different to that person entirely. And I think it's, I think for me, I love that relationship because it also shows the diversity within black women, yeah, which is really, really, I mean, like, you know, and that's really important. And again, it's just, you know, this, you know the books I read when I was um, growing up, they didn't have, I mean, unless they were written by black authors, they didn't have any any black women in them. And so like, I grew up reading a lot of Mallory Blackman, which is really, really oh, great. Sure. Then as I got older, I would read like um, Bridget Jones, I'd read Louise Renison. Renaissance books I'd read Adrian Mole, so I'd read all these things and I was like okay you know, just to give them that black woman there. and then you know I was saying to someone the other day I was yet to read a novel where um, by a white person where there was a black protagonist or mm-hmm. even a black secondary character um, unless they're like a, a boyfriend and it was really important in Shimamanda's books to me that you saw different types of black women presented and that was such a and also their love as well, the love between them, and it was and how um, unconditional it was, and how that family tie is so so binding in a different way to you know that romantic love could ever be, you know, just that like we are in it together.
1: Yeah, and the the sort of the the criticisms and the sort of like the picking at each other mm. that comes from like, anyone who's got a female relative like Tell understands that it. relationship. Yeah. You said something very interesting there, um, and I'm interested in your, your point of view as an author and as someone who's worked in books as a marketeer for a very long time. Mm. But there's a kind of, because you mentioned um, you haven't seen a book by a, a white author that deals with a, a black man character or even a side character. Mm. Um, then there's kind of a, a debate going on, sort of like own voices versus... Like white authors trying to capture mm. uh, non-white experiences. Do you have like any firm opinions on that? Or I feel like I'm I'm constantly reading stuff in the book press about this, about mm. like people either getting it wrong or getting it right. Or what do you think of that? Um, so Kit Duvall, the author,
0: um, she put it really well when she said, and I'm going to paraphrase because I'm really bad at remembering quotes word for word. But she basically said, tread where you like, but tread carefully. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important. It's kind of, so in Queenie, Queenie's black. She's got three best friends, one Jewish, one white middle class, one black. And that's because I that represents the world that I live in. All of my friends are from different backgrounds. And I didn't feel nervous or scared writing characters who were Jewish, or because I basically made sure that I was certain to understand that I was capturing those cultures properly mm-hmm. and that I was talking to those people and, and I I asked them to read my friends who are Jewish who are Jewish and why I asked them to read. Queenie and let me know if I put anything wrong, put a foot wrong but and they were like no no you've got it like it's fine or like oh this is the thing that we would do or like this is the song that we would sing when it's at Hanukkah and um, that was really important but also I just had the understanding that that is you know like to represent the world that I see mm-hmm. uh, because it is diverse within itself it's not just like me and a load of black girls like walking around you know Yeah.
1: I had a, I had a similar thing where um, the one of the Character is in my book is a, is a Muslim girl, and, and that was it came from a similar place of like I want to represent the people that yeah, I've worked with that exactly. I see whatever. Um, and then I remember reading a review of my book that said, "Oh, John, who clearly just wants to cater to all levels of feminism." I was <gasps> <laughs> like, "Yes, that's what I'm doing here. I'm just like going down a list and checking off boxes." So that was that's also, but that's
0: the so that's kind of but that's on the reviewer. It's the view, It's the reviewer not understanding that like that is your lived experience. You know, and that is just that's their stuff, not yours. I think yeah. it's so weird to just be like, "Oh, this person's writing it in because like it fits a quota," yeah, and Or not it's just... pandering or something. Yeah, but it's yeah. just like, but are you are you so narrow-minded that you can't imagine a world in that in, in which you have a Muslim or a black friend. That's yeah. I think that's that's on them. <laughs> like, that's not on you.
1: Um, to get back to to DK quickly, um, so you're you're a second generation. Is that, how, is that the way it goes? Um, yeah, second generation. Yeah, so second generation yeah. immigrant, yeah. And so is he, and he kind of, um, he's this great little kid yeah. who we kind of watch growing up. He's this really sunny, lovely kid. You just, I find it really hard to fall in love with children and books because they yeah, often just, so... you just, also you just no. don't care. You're just like, get, up, get yeah, out, get out. Yeah, next scene, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or they say something like very wise. <laughs> yeah, your you're like, yeah, okay. But he's just a really good little kid, and we see him grow into a teenager, and... um and he's sort of told by his mother, Uju, mm. just not to speak Igbo at home. And he's sort of getting a lot of conflicting messages over who he is. Um, and, like, he, he's sort of taught to be respectful of adults the way that, mm. that people are in Nigeria, but also he's got all these white friends at school and he's living mm. in a very white area. Um, like, did you kind of relate to that second-generation depiction at all?
0: It's a really weird thing. So my nan... Came over here when she was 18, mm-hmm. and she...
1: Oh, so you'd be third generation. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Is that how it works? I don't
0: know. <laughs> but my dad came over here. My dad was born in Jamaica as well. Okay. And my mom was born here. Oh, right. So I have no idea yeah. anymore. Um, but my nan came over here when she was 18, and her Emma was just like, assimilate. Like, we are going to assimilate. We're not going to let anyone know that we're any different. So she speaks like the queen. <laughs> um, and because of that, I... I um, mean, my aunts are all really well-spoken. And my mum is well-spoken. And so I am well-spoken. And I slip in and out of it. You know, I have my different voices for different things. Oh, and yeah. And that's fine. Um, I was at my friend's house the other day, and she was trying to... Um, get Alexa to play one extra. And she's like, Alexa, one extra, Alexa, one extra. And I was like, I can do it. And I was like, Alexa, BBC, (laughs) one extra. And it was like, and Alexa was like, playing one extra. And my friend was like, that is the whitest voice I've ever had. I was like, whoa. I was like, you know,
1: you've got different voices. Alexa's an asshole that way. Alexa's like, my parents have Alexa and they have really bad trouble with their accents. She's a dick. I don't like Alexa.
0: She's never coming in my house. But yeah, she's (laughs) just, yeah. She's just, so it's things like that. So it's just kind of like, So I guess code switching is like a real part of my life and also just the thing is, I think I I like that DK is a boy and I think as a woman, it's a very different experience when you're a young girl and you're growing up and you're growing, I mean, DK is growing up around strong women and I grew up around strong women, but I was turning into a strong woman, very Mm -hmm. lucky. But it's a different experience because, you know, black women are seen differently to black men and Attractiveness is such a different thing, and while black men and women are both fetishized um, and sexualized, it's just it's just a different thing. The way that whether the way that it is, it's just different for the sexes anyway. Um, And so that was thing when I was growing up around lots of white women, you know, just like different. Everything was different, and so when I was growing up, my sense of like self and my sense of beauty didn't exist because I was just, the marker was always these women around me and I was just like, oh gosh, wow, okay. So I'm just, I'm not attractive at all. And so I think like beauty is such a, it's such an important um, aspect of growing up as like second or third generation around all of these girls who just don't look like you.
1: I can imagine. And and yeah, and it's interesting that the two men made the choice to make it this boy. Yeah. Who has like grown up with these amazing women, mm. is very smart, very yeah. capable, very ambitious women who are also beautiful, mm. um, and he's without sort of any kind of male um, father figure or anything. Yeah, and um, there's just sort of no direction for him to go in. Really, it's it's really sad. Um. But it's also just, I think it's also, I mean, like
0: black women often do raise young black men alone. And I think it's a really beautiful example of an upbringing where there is support there, there is kindness there, there is love there. And there is allowing of, there's an allowing of him to just grow up as the man he's going to become. There are no rules about being a good boy or a good man, you know, and not, you know, just, you know, I think it's, I think that's a really important, what an important thing, what an important upbringing to portray.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of it from that point of view, but of course you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to this podcast um, hosted by two black drag queens, um, Mm. Bob's Drag Queen and Moyni-Exchange. It's called Sibling Rivalry. Amazing. And they talk about, like, how they saw posters in their neighbourhood that say, like, Mm. "Um, black men, stop leaving your families Mm. to be raised by women because they'll turn out gay. And they were like, oh, "Oh, I mean, don't leave your families, but also don't say that. (laughs) It's it's too much, isn't it? I think it's
0: really hard. I think it's something that, that, uh, you know, upsets a lot of us. But... um, you know, I grew up without, I mean, it's different because I'm a woman, but I grew up without a dad there. And I think it was better because had he been there, I don't think I could have dealt with the way that he is. So, you yeah. know, it's just one of, you just don't, I mean, again, it's every family, you just don't yeah. know. You can't really um, wish for anything different because it will no, fundamentally change who you are. Yeah, exactly. And you just don't know. And so I think it's like, you know, great if the family units together, but also we know that loads of family units don't work well when they're together. Yeah. 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 They can be like the most
1: toxic of relationships. What's interesting is that I've heard uh, in interviews, Chimamanda referred to this book as her "fuck you" book. Mm, yes, <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> she's such a legend, by yeah. the way. Like even outside of this book, even if this book was like less good than it is, she's just like class. Like she has so many, like she's so good with the sound bites, you know. Um, but she said about like how, you know, it was sort of a "fuck you" to the sort of because she doesn't really bow to that kind of liberal speech no, of never. like. And what, what's interesting is the depictions of racism in this book. It isn't the kind of racism that you get in books like To Kill a Mockingbird, where mm. the racists are just like these outsized monsters who will like follow black women down the streets spitting at them. You know, it's yeah. like these are, she's dealing in, with university towns. Yeah. with Like a form of white savior liberalism. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah.
0: yeah. And that's really, that's amazing. I think it's like, and that's why, because it's so, it's it's like a, but it's a very like nuanced fuck you. Yeah, It's just a kind of like, and you know, as much as those slavery narratives have been, you know, they have been a cornerstone of black literature and they have helped us to understand exactly what things were like back then. Um, And, you know, they're really hard to read, they're hard to watch, like 12 Years a Slave absolutely destroyed me. Um, But actually, I think it's really amazing to just have like a sort of present day story that's kind of like racism is alive and well and it's not uh, a lynching or someone saying the N word. It's the way that you're spoken to, the way that you're seen, the way that you're understood, the way that men approach you, the way that men have sex with you, and the way that it's so insidious and so it's so heavy on you that you go and write like an anonymous blog just just to kind of like get it out
1: of your system, you know? Yeah, and what I love about this as well is that like it's also it's serious, but it's Mm -hmm. also kind of taken with a pinch of salt it's kind of empowering and brilliant how like she just takes the piss out of these people she's also
0: so she's a very playful writer yeah and I think think people miss that about her a lot I think so much so I think because so she's written so beautifully about the bathroom war and people are just kind of like, yeah, her work is like, you know, really like r- rooted in, in, in history. And it's very like serious. But it's she's also like very, she's a very cheeky writer. Oh, she-
1: cheeky is the good is the yeah. word for it. One of my favorite scenes is when she's, um, so if Lou when she's in her kind of early 20s, she works as a nanny for this um, very privileged white family mm. who are like very, for the most part, very well-intentioned, very nice people. But um, as they always are. As they always are. <laughs> And then there's one Kimberly um, She notices that um, They do a lot of like You know International charity work Mm -hmm. And stuff And they're always sort of Dropping in conversation Their international charity work And Kimberly says to her Um oh, I'm meeting this absolutely beautiful woman who works with my charity. And and like, if Emily realised that when she said beautiful, she meant black. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And she'd be like, oh, handing her magazines, being like, isn't she beautiful? Being like, no, she's an (laughs) average looking black woman. (laughs) Well, it's kind of like, it's that thing, isn't it? It's just like
0: weird coded language that black women can understand and pick up on when it's just kind of like, oh, look at your skin. I love your gorgeous skin. And actually someone pointed out on Twitter the other day that it's really hard for people to talk about, like, women who are dark-skinned without being like, look at her skin. It's so gorgeous. Look at her... Go-. And it's yeah. like... It's not quite fetishy. Talk about anything else. Like, it's so weird. Like, just to be like, she's got nice teeth. She's got, like, nice eyes. But they're just like, well oh, that skin, that dark, rich, like, ebony skin. Yeah. But that's like... like People just like... but it's so, we hear it so much that we, we pick up on it um, yeah. and it is, it's just so, you you just kind of, it makes you just feel disenfranchised from the conversation, you just feel disengaged because just kind of like, you know, understand that there are differences, sure, but like in this context, there aren't, like you don't have to yeah. see that or like, you know, signpost that. Like, can we just talk as like two people in this room who like have common ground, you know?
1: Yeah, who both really like this book. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, what's nice as well is that be- and because those um, depictions of, like, casual racism mm. are so nuanced and so funny and satirical, um, but also, like, they leave an impression on her and, and stuff, uh, is that it made me check myself, in a way that like not that like I, I can't really stand that sort of like white guilt thing where like you know mm. women just sort of oh my god I, I can't believe all the things and they kind of make it all about themselves then again they, they can center themselves yeah, and you're <laughs> yeah. just kind of like I'm gonna go <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like this is clearly not about yeah it's clearly about you but um Je, I, I mean, I was at a at an event the other day, and um, I, I did that thing of that that happens in the book of like having to point out a black woman to my friend who would just... I was like, oh, yeah, and what's her name again? Because like, we've been introduced, but I've forgotten her name. Mm. And she was like, who? Oh, it was like, the woman in the green dress. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why are you doing that? Just say that black
0: woman you just met. Do you know what I mean? I know, like, it's I was, fine. I know, yeah, it's just kind of like, it's a descriptor and that's okay. Yeah. Like, that's, you know. But it's, again, it's just that thing. It's just, you know, I think people... I think we're also cautious. I'm very cautious, you know, to de- describe, you know, how to describe people. But I think it's just because, you know, it's just like of the way that it's the way that things have ended up going. And I think it's just like a lot of work that needs to be done to just kind of like undo all of the social stuff that's kind of made us go so far in one direction that yeah. we're like panicked about like just describing someone.
1: yeah. Um, and just relating to them on a basic human it's it's like the sort of emphasis especially in social media kind of parlance Mm. on like um Acknowledge because I feel like the '90s were very much about a kind of a color blindness, and I don't see race, and da da da. And now, just bullshit, which is which is obviously fucking bullshit. Um, and then, but now we're sort of in a place of like where we're seeing it so clearly; it's all we're talking about. Mm. If you know, it's like a a really intense tribalism or something. That, it's kind of it's just kind of like it's it's also pretty boring for yeah. the most
0: part. It's just kind of like like you know not you know just like existence and like you know some people I remember. People, you know, some people have said like Queenie is like an issues book, and it's like, it's not a fucking issues book. It's someone who's just like living their life. There is no issue in that. And like, also, it's just,
1: it's like, it's funny and it's it's like wonderful. And, you know, it's like, thank you very kindly.
0: But it's also, you know, I think it's just, I think we have, I think it's again, so the analogy that I use is if you say, like, come and stay in my house, you don't need to bring anything with you, you're just like a guest, like bring nothing. And I say, like, oh, I might bring a few things I did, and they're just like, no, I've got you covered. And like, I go and stay in the house and I'm like, okay, we've gone swimming. I need to wash my hair. And they're like, oh, we've got like herbal essences. Like, I can't use that. So it's like, it's good oh. to understand that difference is there, but we don't need to talk about it. Like, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like differences. Like, it's, it's fine that we're different. It's fine that like we will use different shampoos because we require different things. But like to like signpost things and talk about them and like trivialize them is pointless. It's just like, it's a waste of everyone's time.
1: Yeah. You know? Um no, yeah, it's great. And not, no, it's not great, obviously. It's great that we're talking about it. Um but how wh- how do you like what do you feel about the last third of the book when it, um when she goes back to Nigeria and uh as kind of this as this Americana kind of thing?
0: I think it's some of the mo- I just think first of all I think it's just some of the most beautiful writing. Yeah. Um because I think that she captures that she captures her place so well. You know, I think she captures Nigeria so well, and it's she's always writing it in such a loving way. Yeah, um, but I just I I like that things seem easier for her because I think by that point you're kind of like she kind of deserves this break. Um, and so in terms of like a job, I know it's not like all straightforward, but you know she 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 ends up doing the things that she loves, and you know Abinze is kind of you know all his stuff with you know I mean for me as well, it's the last side is so about that love story and me being like I really want. The ending mm. that I that I think we deserve. I think I just, I remember spending I spent the the last third of it just being like I just want them.
1: Oh, totally. That's all just, I mean. The, that's these so. two kids have to just work it out. And also
0: just like given that you know also you know the stuff that he went through in the UK, I find that I find that really really hard. Yeah. So and talk, so, talk a about
1: that for the listeners of what he goes through in the UK. So when
0: he's in the UK, I mean, the scene that always stands out for me. I mean, I've read it twice now, is when he's a clean. So she, you know, she has this quite prestigious career when she's in America um, working in universities mm-hmm. and he ends up being a cleaner when he is in London
1: and and they're both amazingly educated and actually he's even most, more educated than she is they're both amazingly
0: laugh. educated and there's a scene where he's do, he's cleaning an office block and someone has taken a shit on the toilet itself
1: oh yeah I forgot about that scene Jesus, and it's yeah. really
0: and that, at that point you're just his humanity is called into question because you know you're kind of like this is a he's a man doing his job like this is he has to do why is he dealing with someone else's shit you know like you know whatever his job is he could be like he could be doing any job it doesn't matter if it's academic if it's if you know anything but for for him to have to deal with that and then finally to get you know just like you know all of this like what what was it what was it all for um, and when he gets back to Nigeria and he's able to kind of like build the life for himself that he almost deserves, having had this like full start and then like abrupt kind of ending when he's in England. Um, it's such a payoff for him to kind of settle back into being his own person.
1: But then he kind of has this life that he doesn't even identify with because mm. then Obinze, we haven't actually talked about it all that much, he ends up marrying like the perfect Nigerian woman called yeah. Kazi. And he has this beautiful house and this gorgeous daughter, yeah. and she's just—he—he he like doesn't even know who this woman is who he's mm. been married to for years. She just like flattens out all of her hard edges to mm. the point, and she's just like—and you feel like she could be quite um, a funny. You could—you could feel quite cruelly about Cosy because mm. she's just so amenable and she's kind of like a lapdog. But then you're like, oh god, like this is just. It's kind of like, this is what happens to so many people who don't leave home. Mm. They just, they, they melt into whatever cultural idea is projected on them. And she's never questioned it, you know. Mm. I find her so interesting. I find her really interesting. And also she's, I mean, like, look at, again, look at
0: her against um, Uju, who's like a trophy wife, right? These women who, like, make themselves what men want them to be. Yeah. Um, and again, you can see that difference there. And you can see how with Uju, she's kind of like... Uh, well, look, like, I've been really burnt by this. And also, like, Cozy as well. Like, she's also, it's not going to turn out yeah. great for her. Um, but again, they're different women who have put men at the forefront of what they're about. And like, it's, like, both ways of
1: showing that that is not what, as a woman, yeah. you should be doing. And, and the times in Nefemilu's life when she's kind of, when yeah. she, she's never, like, an official trophy girlfriend, but she kind of is. Like, she's a yeah. really rich white guy who, like, flies her all over the world. And, yeah. And she's so conscious of that. Do you know what I mean? She's like, she refuses to like fall into that trap. She doesn't. And I think it's also,
0: I think it's just, it's a comment on, I guess, also understanding that 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 has been the fate of so many and it's not one that you want for yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and then finally, the book sort of ends. And like, it actually reminds me of something that Marion Key says a lot, which Mm. is that um, to give people a love story and not a happy ending is fucking rude. yeah i think it i think it's i think it is
0: i think it's and that's why I mean like queenie's not a love story it's a kind of it's not a love story it's it, it it's absolutely not it's almost like an anti love story you got like, a self love story a self love story um yeah i think yeah I, I agreed um and I think it's the the ending again, like also because it's such a long book as well, and you're you're so invested because it's so long, and you kind of you're just like i deserve I deserve for them to happen, you know that it actually is at the expense of of someone and at ex- the expense of, like, what is a family unit? But you're also just kind of like, but, you know, like, sorry, they were in love. They were in love yeah. first. So it's got to come back around.
1: It's got to, yeah. And interestingly, because, like, he ends up leaving his wife, spoilers, <laughs> for <laughs> family. For yeah. It's worth it's worth the read, though. It's, it's worth yeah. the read to the journey. But it's very much like a last page thing. It's like, like, like the last, like, yeah. five lines. You're like, oh, thank God. God. But yeah. But the thing is is that like lots of in lots of romance books people leave their wives for the love of their life but it's the context and the social weight of it is different mm-hmm. in this book because people don't just do that in in their society, you know.
0: Mm, I think that I mean we don't I mean it's just again it's a different society and some men don't just have one wife. Mm-hmm. Um but this feels like it's very much kind of like I'm leaving that and I'm doing a different thing rather than being like I have like you know, like I'm polyamorous. And, you know, yeah, just yeah. like it's, a, it's just quite, it's very much like I've, this is like a new beginning with an old person. Um, and I think you do feel, I think you do feel the weight of that and you do feel, I mean, you do feel, it's a sad situation, but out of it is this love that you've been rooting for. So you're kind of like, Ah, I need collateral damage. I'm really sorry, but that's just yeah. what it
1: is, you know? And you kind of know that like, that like he he's probably not going to be able to work out some straightforward no. like pr- like parental visitation rights type of thing. Like, that's going to be a long, bitter divorce with lots of people involved, lots of different family members involved and it's like wow, he was really willing to give up basically his place in the society that he's carved out mm-hmm. for so long for the love of his life and that's like it's like that's what makes this like the ultimate chicklet in a way. Yeah,
0: exactly. And also she she gets what she wants, but not in a way that's kind of spoiled. Because I think by that point, she's kind of accepted that, you know, maybe that's not going to happen. And maybe he, I mean, you know, not the acceptance that he's happy, but just also the acceptance that, like, maybe their fate is not sealed and maybe that they're not going to be together forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and But so, they deserve that a chance to make yeah. it work at least, you know? But to try and just to understand in their adult lives, when they're in the same
1: place, what could work out. Yeah. I always just found it heartbreaking... When she leaves for America, and his mum, who's kind mm. of a mentor to her, says, "You know, just make sure you have you and Obinze have a plan." Yeah, and it's just like she always comes back to that kind of thing of that plan that never quite worked out, but it finally did, and it finally does. I think it's really,
0: I think it's just that it's, it's such satisfying. a nice. It that such a nice way of saying it, right? It's such a nice way of just being like, it's not like make sure you keep in touch. it's just like make sure you have yeah. a plan, and it's like you know that's just like something that is going to work out at the end. You've planned. that you you will have your love.
1: And so meaningful as well because, like, this woman who is Obinze's mother and she's Mm. so educated and she's so brilliant and she's, Mm. like, this hero. She's, like, the first real hero of has. And her just saying to her in a very subtle way, look, Mm. I'm prepared to have you in my life forever. Yeah. It's almost like a sub-love story within that love story, you know? Absolutely.
0: And I think, again, like, there is so much love between black women in this book. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. You know, like, there are so many, I think, love stories of any of any ilk are important and that, like, you know, Queenie has a lot of female love stories and like, I know that in my life, I just like, am like so obsessed and in love with my friends yeah. to the point, you know, like it's self-destructive how much I love them. <laughs> um, but I think it's really important to show that. And I think that like, you know, like men will come and go and it's important that you have the women that you love around you. And this book is, you know, as much as it is about a man and a woman, there is so much female love there that really drives... That relationship forward and mm. really molds that relationship and it really molds the family into the woman that she is and it also like and also decay you know like it's so many people are affected by not affected by but so many people are enriched by female love in this book
1: i think that's a lovely place to end it's, it's everyone all listeners please go forth and be enriched by female love yeah um, is there anything else you'd like to ask? obviously queenie's coming out soon is there anything else you'd like to say about that you haven't said so far um, no, I'm just really, I mean, like, yeah, just I'm very, I'm very, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm very excited.
0: <laughs> you um, should be. I'm looking forward to, no, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to talking about it now because it's been two years in the running and so it'd yeah. be good when people stop being like, what's it about? And I can be like, you've maybe hopefully read it by this point. Yeah, yeah. So we can just have a chat about it. Um, it's,
1: it's, but I'm It's so nice when you get to that bit of like, it's no longer theoretical, but yes. like an actual thing.
0: Like the whole like being an author thing is just kind of like, I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, like, that's fine. That's yeah, because like, you've worked
1: in books for so long that, yeah. like, authors aren't that glamorous to you, I imagine.
0: It's not, I mean, you see you see how the sausages are made, basically, yeah. <laughs> when you work in publishing. And so you're kind of like, yeah, okay. So, but it's just, I really want to start talking um, about it. And, you know, the thing that I've understood a lot is that Queenie is quite frustrating to some people. Really? Um, yeah, because, like, she makes a lot of questionable choices. But I think... That's what I like about her, and so that's what I want to She's talk people about. She's a filthy girl. She is, and I love she is. it. She's, I think, it's really important. I think it's fine. I think like female sexuality is such a like oh. important, interesting thing, and I'm bored of like,
1: like I've, I've, mind being at the forefront of like you know like them of bad, just, bad like, behavior. Yeah. yeah. I'm at this. I'm not. I'm not, I haven't finished it yet. I just started it, but um, there is this. Uh, I'm at the bit where she is having sex with this vastly inappropriate yes. guy in his car, and it's yes. the most embarrassing, cringy sex scene. But I kind Absolutely. of love that she's going through with it because most people do just go through with it. You do. I you think know? that's the
0: important thing. It's kind of like you find yourself in situations, and you're kind of just like, it is like It's a story, I guess, right? And I guess like if you don't take your sexual, you know, like your, your, like your sex too seriously, then you're yeah. just like
1: oh dear, I'm here again <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thank you so much Candice. Thank you This has been Sentimental Garbage and I've been Karen O'Donoghue. You can follow me on Twitter at ZaraLine, that's C-Z-A-R-O-L-I-N-E or email me by the podcast at ZaraLineO'Donoghue at gmail.com Thanks to Harry Harris for the jingle, Gavin Dave for the logo, and ACAST for the recording space. This has been a Justice for Dumb Women podcast produced by Hannah Varrell. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.